Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Here we are back again in this journey through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You are very welcome. Now if you're just joining us for the first time, I would recommend that you maybe consider joining us on this complete journey over this next five years or so as we work through the entire Bible. Also, it's worth noting that there's a transcript of everything I say always available in the episode notes of any audio version of the podcast. It doesn't matter which podcast provider you're using to get the, to get your podcasts from, you should find an episode notes page with not only the transcript, but with lots of links to ways that you can connect with me and my ministry. But today, you may remember where closing off the second part of Genesis chapter 47. So with that in mind, we'll drop into the main, back into the main text and I'll see you again at the end to pick up and just uh, update you a few things and say bye-bye for now. And that is bye-bye for now and I'll see you again at the end. Okay, well, this is the second half of Genesis chapter 47. We're spending a couple of days looking at this passage and thinking about this time when Jacob appeared before Pharaoh and thinking about what we can learn about staying focused on God. Okay, let's pick up the story at verse 13. There was no food in the whole region because the famine was severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and in Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying and he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. Now we're going back again to this whole issue of the famine and the fact that there's no food. Now if you recall Joseph, he's second in command and he's the one who's been put in charge of arranging the storing up of all the food during the good years. So he's selling the food to the people and he's putting the money that he receives, all of it's going into the royal treasury. He's focusing on the job in hand. He's doing what he was supposed to do and he's doing it and you might really say that he's doing it well. 47.15 then tells us, when the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, give us food. Why we should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. So what the Egyptians are saying is we've used up all our money to buy food and now we don't have food and we don't have money because we've given it all to you. So now they're saying, give us food and give us it for free, maybe is their expectation. And then it tells us in the text, this is Joseph's reply to that scenario. Then bring your livestock, Joseph said, and I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, their goats, their cattle and their donkeys. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for livestock. Now this may seem a little bit harsh and profiteering out of this situation, but you've got to remember that these people had got to this situation without his guidance by choosing for probably generations now not to sacrifice in the present in order to create a secure future. Anyway, all right, they give him all their money and now they hand over their livestock. And the whole issue in this chapter is Joseph has got to provide for the whole nations and the regions beyond physical need. So we'll pick up the text and continue the story. 
When that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes, we and our land as well? Buy us and our land in exchange for food, and we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may live and not die, and that the land may not become desolate. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh, and the Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received a regular allotment from Pharaoh and had food enough from the allotment Pharaoh gave them. And that is why they did not sell their land. Now what's going on here on the surface can seem rather complicated, but really it's fairly straightforward what he's doing here is he's state building. There has been a severe famine, so they've used all their money to buy the food and when that's all gone they sell their cattle. And then at this third stage people sell themselves into bonded labour. Now slavery of course today for good reasons has a very negative connotation, but in the ancient world this was a very common practice. This idea of going into bonded labour when times were hard was completely normal and very common. People also sold themselves to pay off debt, or in this case to enable them to buy food. As a matter of fact, someone commenting on this passage said, there's not a whole lot of difference going on here from a social point of view than people today selling themselves to a company when they sign a contract to work for a single employer. In a sense, they're saying that you own me for the 40 hours of that week. Nowadays, we have, of course, many more freedoms about these sort of things and how they are arranged. But the point is that what's going on here is entirely normal in the ancient world. So they're giving everything they have in order to remain alive. And notice throughout this whole process, Joseph stays focused on doing the right job in the right way and putting all the money into Pharaoh's coffers. Oh, by the way, did I mention the priests didn't have to go through this? They're not required to sell the land. They were a privileged class. I'll come back to that in a moment. The text continues. Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land for Pharaoh, here is seed for you so you can plant the ground. But when the crops comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The other four-fifths you can keep for yourselves as seeds for the field and as for food for yourselves and your household and your children. You have saved our lives, they said. May we find favour in the eyes of our Lord and we will be in bondage to Pharaoh. So Joseph gives them seed, enabling them to grow food and he charges them a tax based on what they can grow. Now, some might say this is the first occasion of using a tax system to move people from being in a state of dependence into one of being independent. And such things are legitimate when it comes to tax. When a tax rate is applied in the correct way and is fair, it is a good thing. So what is a fair tax, you might ask? Well, the tax here is seen to be 20%, isn't it? 
And I think it's interesting that still today, most Western countries operate with an income tax rate that usually starts around 20%. I think that's fascinating. I also think it's really fascinating that business tax or corporation tax in most developed countries is set at around 20% as well. So anyway, here the tax is 20% of the crops grown from the seeds. This is interesting stuff, isn't it? Picking up the story in verse 26. So Joseph established a law concerning the land in Egypt, still in force today, that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. Now, when he's saying it's in force today, he's talking about four or five hundred years later, when this has been written about the events four or five hundred years previously. So it's still in force at that time that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. It was only the land of the priests that did not become Pharaoh's. Now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and they were fruitful and increased greatly in number. So this is simply telling us or showing us that he instituted a 20% tax rate and it stayed that way for several hundred years after that. Also, what is really important to take out of here is that this issue with the priests shows the earliest example of the separation of the religious life from the civil state. That the idea of the worship of God does not get intermixed with the idea that God is embodied within any single state. At any rate, that's what happens, and during this process we see Joseph staying focused on his job, which was to save people. Ultimately, that was his role, to save people from starvation. And he didn't put any money in his own pocket by doing this. He put it all in the treasury of Pharaoh. Now, verse 27 says, In the meantime, the Israelites, that's the descendants of Jacob and Israel, lived in the land of Goshen, and grew and multiplied numerically. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. When the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his sons Joseph and said to him, I have found favour in your eyes. Put your hand under my thigh, which is an ancient way of taking an oath, and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt, and bury me where they are buried, which would be Hebron, by the way. And I will do as you say, he said. That's Joseph speaking. Swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. So Jacob here, even as he's approaching the end of his life, he's focusing on the big picture. He's focusing on the spiritual things. He's focusing on the promises of God. Let me explain. God gave the land to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Now they're currently not in their land, they're currently in Egypt, but this indicates that Jacob believed that they, the nation that he was father of, would still one day inherit that land. So he says to his son Joseph, when I die, do not bury me here in Egypt, but when I die, take me back to Canaan and bury me there. And he specifically says, bury me with my forefathers. And if you go to Hebron, even today, there is a tomb there, which is said to be the tomb of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and several of their wives as well. So Jacob 
is still focused on the spiritual things. He's still believing the promises of God, the promise that he would give them the land of Palestine later to be called Israel. And that's a story, of course, that we shall pick up in great length later as we work our way through the Bible. But in the meantime, let me simply point out that both Jacob and Joseph in this story were focused. Were focused. Now, Joseph, by necessity, was focused on what he had to do. It was his job. It was his responsibility to deal with this immediate crisis situation of the famine. This was indeed a national, even a regional crisis. So Jacob gets on with that, but throughout the story, his father is constantly pictured as being focused on the spiritual side of what's happening. He's seen to bless Pharaoh, offer the blessing of God to Pharaoh, but he still keeps in mind the promise of God that was given to his grandfather Abraham and Isaac his father, and he makes clear that he wants to be buried with them back in that promised land of what will become Israel. And that's what the passage is telling us. That's the main focus and purpose of this passage. That's the narrative of the events that are going on. But what's the point of it? What's the point? What are we meant to learn from this passage? Well, I think if you look at this passage as an entity, you have to conclude, and you particularly if you keep hold of and remember to place this passage within the context of the whole book of Genesis, it's telling us that no matter what, the Lord will provide for his children. In this case, he uses a believer, he uses Joseph to provide not only for his people, the Israelites, but also for the Egyptians. And being Joseph, being the son of Jacob, he's following the pattern of God in that we have been blessed by him. In understanding that, we are then to bless others. God, on the one hand, has provided for us, his children, but on the other hand, he has used them to bless other people. I think you could stamp this idea across the whole chapter and the whole book of Genesis as well. When times are tough, people are going to come to us and we have the manna, we have the logos, we have the word of God, the comfort of God, which we can feed the people with no matter what they're going through. But we also see, when we look at them both together, Jacob and Joseph, we can see that there's no conflict between our need to focus on whatever our current responsibilities are, whilst at the same time focusing on our spiritual responsibilities. It's easy to focus and to get lost and just get our attention being grabbed by a current crisis and forget about the eternal things of God. It's very easy to get misled and focus on material things and forget about the spiritual. But this palisade illustrates that these two men, Jacob and Joseph, they were able to focus on both. Jacob had to find a way in which he could get his family into a situation where they could survive and be fed. And Joseph had to focus on his role in ensuring the whole nation and region survived this crisis. They had to focus on the present and the material needs that they had, yet they still needed to remain a channel of blessing to other people, which is the spiritual side of life that they were commanded to stay in touch with and to stay involved with. So the important thing to learn is, notice they didn't lose sight of the eternal in the midst of their very present circumstances. 
There are many examples in scriptures, but it seems to me that Hebrews chapter 11 is the illustration of other people who did the same thing. So I think it's important to widen this out and just close by looking very quickly at one verse in Hebrews chapter 11. There's an old gospel song that says, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. What I am trying to say is that the sentiment of that song is true. We need to get hold of the fact that we're just passing through this world. But we need to space special attention to the fact that even though we're living in the material world, we can't lose focus on the spiritual realm and the promises of God. We need to stay focused on what's coming up, but at the same time, not lose sight of the God opportunities around us. This world is not our home. We are just passing through, but while we are passing through, while we are living here, we will be given many God-given opportunities to be a blessing to someone else who is struggling. The very famous chapter in the New Testament of Hebrews chapter 11 has been referred by many people as the great roll call of faith. It keeps going on and on about all these great heroes of the faith. In fact, it lists them. and We find them listed and given as examples one after the other. People like Noah are mentioned, Enoch, Abraham, Sarah. And then in verse 13, it tells us about these people. It makes this statement that says that all these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them far off. Let me read the text for you. Hebrews 11:13 to 16 says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Now, it seems to me that these verses capture and capitalise on the very point I'm trying to draw out of this passage. The fact that they didn't receive the promises, the spiritual promises of the land in this life. Joseph didn't, didn't see it at this point. Jacob hasn't seen it. But they still didn't lose their focus. And at this point today, we see at the end of this chapter, Jacob, after all he's gone through, after all he's been through, he didn't lose his focus. He didn't lose his focus on being a blessing to other people, but keeping one eye on the future promises of God. So all these people, just these two, all these people in the Bible who died whilst living in faith, did not always see the promises that God had made to them fulfilled in their lives this side of eternity. They just glimpsed them far off in the future. They saw them through a glass darkly, it's described elsewhere. But still they believed them, they were assured of them, and they embraced those promises and they lived their life in a way that showed they embraced them. They confessed in the sense that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth and that they were waiting for something better. But they remained focused on their promise while still living in the everyday and helping people. Translated in short, I'd say they stayed focused. And that's, I believe, what we need to do. But I submit to you, that's the real challenge we face as believers, is the fact the challenge is to stay focused. We need to stay focused on what we need to do here 
in this life and be a blessing to other people while not losing focus of the eternal spiritual truth of our future spiritual home. Now I believe if we're really honest we would confess that we can so easily get distracted or caught up in the things of this world, the material things in the here and now, or we can even be overwhelmed by a crisis that we're experiencing in the present. But this passage, I believe, tells us that with God's help, we can keep our focus on spiritual things, the eternal things of God. And whilst we travel as pilgrims through this life, we can still be a blessing to others, but whilst at the same time keeping our eye on the horizon of the future coming glory that awaits us. Okay, friends, there we are. I hope you find that helpful. A helpful passage. That's it for today. I do trust that if you're benefiting from this, that you'll make a decision to maybe subscribe so you'll not miss a single episode and you can join us on this amazing journey, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the whole Bible. But if you are valuing it in any way, I would ask respectfully that you consider sharing it, liking it, even reviewing it, so that others out there in the world have a greater opportunity of seeing it and making the decision, a vitally important decision I believe to make in these days, which is to make the Bible, but more than just the reading of the Bible, the study of the Bible, part of the rhythm of your daily life. I know I'm benefiting amazingly by doing it, so we know that others would benefit from it as well. So why not commit to go on this journey with us as we do this together. And uh, a quick reminder that in the episode notes page there are lots of links to ways you can connect with this ministry and other resources that are coming, teaching in other formats and longer formats which uh, will be appearing and even some discipleship courses to help equip the saints for works of service that I'll be putting on my Patreon page and on LinkedIn in September. But anyway, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that there are thousands of us together committed to going in this journey together and I feel really blessed and encouraged by knowing that. But I also ask that you would pray for me and this ministry that I might be maintain the good health, uh, the emotional, spiritual, uh, the, the, the facility to be able to uh, to put this together, to create what is in effect uh, almost a sermon a day, 25 minutes of teaching a day, that nothing should uh, stop or get in the way that would uh, that would would quash my ability to do this because it is, I believe, absolutely God's plan for my life and also God's plan for some of your lives that you go on this journey with me together. So anyway, thank you again so much. I trust I'll see you back here again tomorrow. Well, it'll be tomorrow for me. It'll be whatever day you happen to listen to the next episode of the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.